Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Vince Staples is one of the biggest rappers on the West Coast right now. He's put out a few albums, a few EPs and mixtapes. The classic Vince Staples song is dark, brooding, brutally honest, sharply observed, and often funny. Suicide is a recurring theme in a lot of his verses. Except when it comes to Twitter, maybe, he isn't particularly outgoing. He says that makes it pretty easy for people to get the wrong impression about him. I'm one of those people that everyone always asks, like, what's wrong? What's wrong? It's like, I'm straight. But it's just, I mean, it's just learned behavior, so to say. Because I be chilling. Like, everybody thinks I'm like, a lot of people, I see people say, like, oh, he's so depressed and sad. But, like, I'm never sad. Like, nothing could affect me that much. It's bullseye. Coming up, we'll talk with Vince Staples about his writing process, how he came into music, and how even though he was jumped into a gang as a kid, he doesn't think street life is anything to brag about. I mean, I've been there, like, in, in all disrespect intended, like, a lot of rappers are liars. You can't be hard 24-7. It's not fun, it's not cool, you just look corny, because that's how you die. Those are the ones that die. Then I'll talk with the Trailer Park Boys. They might be the biggest comedy group to come out of Canada since the kids in the hall. Their TV show, kind of a mockumentary, is a huge hit. 11 seasons, a bunch of specials and movies. It's about three ne'er-do-wells and their acquaintances in a trailer park in Nova Scotia. They're being followed by cameras constantly. Where'd they get the idea? Inspiration can come from anywhere. It all started about eight or nine years ago. I was talking to a psychic, and uh, she said that my life was going to end soon. So a phone psychic. Well, she was like two hundred and fifty bucks, Bob. Okay, she was a half decent psychic. You're dumb. (laughs) Finally, another great TV show, Game of Thrones. I'll tell you why I, one of the proud millions who watched the show, honestly don't even care how it ends. Winter's coming. Fine, that's fine. It's all coming up on Bullseye. Let's go. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My first guest this week is Vince Staples. He and I talked a couple years ago. He's a rapper from Long Beach, California, the home of Snoop Dogg, Warren G., Nate Dogg. He started out as a kind of auxiliary part of the Odd Future crew, along with Earl Sweatshirt, Frank Ocean, Tyler the Creator, Sid the Kid. But before long, he forged a totally independent identity. Vince's debut album, 2015, Summertime 06, was a breakthrough. It made top 10 lists for critics all over at top charts. It was epic, sort of dark, slow burner. Staples talked about the streets he came from with conviction, but instead of seeing street life as a badge of honor, Vince was brutally honest about it, which is part of what makes him so great. Staples talked about retiring after that first record, but lucky for us, he hasn't. 
Just last month, he released Big Fish Theory, a tight 12 songs that clocks in at just over half an hour. Big Fish Theory is a sort of departure for Vince. The beats are clubby, but also kind of weird. He's rhyming less about Long Beach, more about the rap game. But he's still honest, still introspective, still totally brilliant. Let's take a listen to the first single off Big Fish Theory. It's called Bag Back. This is for my future baby mama Hope your skin is black as midnight I'll take you out down under I can put you in the bins I can balance out your chakras Fornication is a sin We can f*** my night regardless So I'll father all in heaven As I pray for new McLaren's Pray the police don't come blow me down Cause of my complexion Everybody think they know me now Cause I'm chicken check it You are not my homie How dare you think it's different Boy you tripping Gas break Vince Staples, welcome to Bullseye. It's great to have thank you. Thank you, thank you for having me. Thank you. For having me. So this mixtape and your first mixtape, I gather, were named after two rappers who were a generation before you, or ten years yes, before sir. you. Shine and Roscoe P. Coldchain. Yeah, well, I mean, Roscoe P. Coldchain was like what I was like when I was in like eighth, uh, seventh, eighth grade. So at least when he went to jail, because I remember that like vividly, because he did something you know very stupid. Roscoe P. Coldchain was a rapper who was signed to the Neptune's label, Star Trek. Yeah, and uh, Neptune, like Star Trek, was real big in Long Beach. And and an except, I mean, he was exceptionally talented rapper. I mean, I I I loved him. I one of my favorites, and uh, ended up going to jail for attempted murder. Yeah, I think it was two counts, two two different people, same day. Tell me about why you chose that name. Uh, I mean, at the time, I was um. I was working with several people that were, well, I wasn't really working. That was the problem. I was, like, just around, and I had a couple things that had gained a little bit. On a small level, some sort of notoriety. So a lot of people were telling me to, like, try to work towards something and try to, you know, better my situation or whatnot, really go for it, not just waste the time that I had, you know. It was a little joke that I was going to make a mixtape and go to jail. So those were the two people that did that and went to jail, but it just kind of stuck. Now, why was that funny? I don't know. I had I had a skewed sense of humor, still do sort of, but you know, you grow up a little bit more and you notice some of the dumb stuff you did. That was just, but I mean, it makes sense now as far as what the music is becoming. I want to play a little bit of one of your uh, earlier records from a couple of years ago called Like It. Grandmother said we out of asthma medication, but get ready for school still because hell is waiting. If you don't learn shit, you won't be ish, and that would probably mean ish if they try and teach kids during the class. Got a heart made of gold, knuckles smothered in brass. The snakes lay where you play, so I stray from the grass. Mine already troubled enough, so don't confuse my poor actions for giving them. I show no love, parents didn't give me enough It's too late now, I barely even like being touched My girl stopped giving me hugs Says I don't see it that much But I just prefer being alone because You say, you know, it's too late now, I barely like being touched You know, that's a that's a very dark thing to say on a record about yourself I mean, it's just honest, like I'm like a tense person, so to say From what I've gathered from other people, like I'm one of those people that everyone else asks, like, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" It's like I'm straight, but it's just, I mean, it's, it's learned behavior, so to say. Because I be chilling, like everybody thinks I'm like a lot of people. I see people say like, "Oh, he's so depressed and sad," but like I'm never sad. Like nothing could affect me that much. You you learn to value different things in life after certain experiences, and I feel like if you hear and you eat every day, you have nothing to complain about. But it's, you know, you come back from, uh, Mac Miller told me this yesterday, he said, certain people come back from Vietnam or, like, places like that, and the things that they have, they've seen have, have affected them to the point that 
it changes the way that they carry themselves without them knowing. There's a song called Nate on your new uh, tape. Um, and I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about w- what led you to write it. Uh, honestly, I just heard the beat, and that's just the first thing I came up with. To me, that song is like, it's, it doesn't come from a bad place. It's not like a sad song. Like, that's just me growing up. Like, that that's, that, that beat sounds very, like, youthful and, like, happy, optimistic type thing. And when I think about my childhood, that's what I think about. Because no matter what, yo, your parents are your first God. You know what I mean? So me seeing my dad mess up so much but still remain him kind of taught me that you can't you can't change the person you are you know what i mean you can just try to change your circumstance and it's kind of sad because my father was one of those people who could have done anything like i've seen my dad be on full-scale drugs and, and not change do things that make people go crazy and not change like still smile and laugh about it so my dad kind of taught me like the value of life that that was that was right to be because they did what they had to do to take care of us, and I will always appreciate that. I, I will never look at that like it's a bad thing. I know domestic violence is wrong. I know crime is wrong. I know all of these things, but, you know what I mean? It's all perception. Reality is perception. Let's hear a little bit of Vince Staples' song, Nate, from his new mixtape, Shine Cold Jane 2. As a kid, all I wanted was a hundred grand. Uncle counting money while my daddy cutting grams. Made me promise that we promised that we touch my hands. And it never did said it make me be a better man. Smoking in the crib, hiding dip inside of soda cans. Black bandana on his arm, needle in his hand. Mama trying to wake him up, young so I ain't understand. Why she wouldn't let my daddy sleep. Used to see him stand out in the alley through my window. Drinking in with his homies, blowing cig smoke. Lights flash, now we running from the winds lows. Tim screaming for my mama at the back door. Sometimes she wouldn't open it. Sitting on the couch, face emotionless. I don't think they ever noticed that I noticed it. As a kid, all I wanted was a hundred grand. The part that really gets me about that verse, and that's the second verse of a three-verse song um, that ends with uh, your dad ODing. Um, but the the part that really gets me about that verse is the part about you're not knowing if your parents ever noticed that you noticed and you sitting on the couch expressionless my parents had to take care of themselves when i was younger like i always had everything i needed like i always had shoes clothes whatever i had playstation one through four i had every xbox i had all everything i could ever want that they sacrificed for but i don't think a lot of parents especially when they have kids young my mom had her first kid when she was 15 years old so she had to raise my sister while she was raising herself and then she had my sister and my other brother and then she had me and I was the last one they were a little bit more settled they knew how to like raise a kid so to say they knew what was needed but then they lacked the time that was needed because they had four kids you know what I'm I'm saying my sister and And your your mom was working as well exactly exactly my first sister has a different dad her dad died so my, before my dad really got into, like, a lot of heavy uh, problems that you know, he was dealing with himself, he raised my sister very well. Like, my sister's dad died when she was, like, five or six years old, I would try to think. So my dad took care of her. He used to walk her to school, all that stuff. And my sister got the best part of that. And then I, I, my grand, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents because my parents had to work so much, and my dad was getting in and out of trouble. When my mom was pregnant, when I was born, my dad was in jail. So when he got out, it was like he tried to stay as kind of off to the distance, as he always has, because my dad never wanted to be my role model or my hero. He never wanted to be that. He just wanted to take care of me. If I needed something, he wanted me to call him. Like, when him and my mom split up, like, 
it was never, hey, let's go do something. It's like, if you need something, call me. Because other than that, I'm not a necessary part of your life. At least that's how I looked at it. And I appreciate my dad for that because he is not a role model. He's not someone that should be someone's hero. But he tried his hardest to do what he could for us. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. You're listening to my interview with Vince Staples from 2014. When you were 10, 12 years old, what did the gangs in your neighborhood mean to you? Nothing. They were just cool. It's like, and then when you get to like sixth, seventh grade, then you then then you start to know, know like what what's what. But before that, I was like, oh, like it's just funny, like oh, they're crazy, they're fun. It's like a movie. It's not real, because when you're younger, nothing serious, no matter what it is, and they just have fun all day or whatever like that. And you don't know when somebody dies; they just go away because you're not you're not close to them. You're not you're not at a close distance with them. I only oh, the first real gang type thing I've ever seen as far as close was when my cousin got shot in his, in his face. He got shot in his mouth. And then I saw, like, my family, like, one by one, like, the, the the different ones. Like, not the ones that weren't like my mom, the ones that didn't go to church. I saw them leaving the house and coming back and talking to each other. And I'm like, they're doing something that they're not, that, that, that they're not telling everyone. And that's, that's interesting. How, how old were you? I was uh, a 10 turn 11. And in my head, I'm just looking. Like, I wonder what they're what they're doing. Everybody wears black. Everybody has the same tattoos. Everybody, you know what I mean? Like you notice things like that, but you don't think anything of it. And then you, my grandfather dies, and then I go to his funeral and I see, okay, this is what they were doing. And obviously, that's not what he's doing anymore. What he wasn't. It was different when he was younger. But as that being your hero, you're like, all right, this is what I'm gonna do because this is what my family does. The same way, if your dad's a doctor, you're gonna want to be a doctor most likely. If your dad fixes cars, you're gonna end up fixing cars. It's the same thing, but we don't have any of that where I, where I come from, and it's by choice because a lot of people just choose to not go that route. When did you when did you uh, get jumped into a gang? It depends. We were we were from cliques when we were younger, so I was like 12, 13 years old. I didn't really, it didn't get serious until one of my friends died, like 15, 16. What was the difference? At first, it was for fun. Like, oh, look, let's have something to put on MySpace. You wear the same hat, you go talk to girls. It wasn't like, we wasn't gaming. It was from a clique called Flirts. And then, <laughs> and then it, it, was, it was clicks Flirts, Flip, and Squad Up. And it was, it was some girl <laughs> Like, they stood, it was like acronyms and whatnot. That was what we were doing. And what, then, what did, what did Flirts stand for? Flirts stuff. Ladies in really tight skirts, flip stuff still for f- love. I'm pimping. It was a click that's that meant taking f- like it was. That's what we were doing when we were younger, and even even not not some f- we should be. It was fighting at like the park and having having meetings like and f- like that. But you were you're you're it's 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 developed after a gang structure. And those the leaders what, what of the, was I'm the, what what I'm imagining at the meeting of the flirts right now is like first order of business. We got to catch them all. Yeah, right. We were just fighting. It's just, he doesn't like him fight. That's that's all it was. And talking about like kicking people out for like being dusty and shit. like for not for not for not being as cool as the other people. But it was just it it was just it was all for fun. So when did that change? Uh, one of my friends, Jabari Benton, got killed when we was fifteen. And then what were the circumstances? He just got shot. He got shot by uh, two people because he he was a YA baby. So he he had why it's youth authority. Yeah, he had jumped a, uh, jumped around a couple times going to LP and Y and stuff like that. He had jumped around a couple times picking his little, trying to figure out where you want to be, which everybody does when they was younger. The place I'm from now is not the first place I was saying I was from, and that's the case for a lot of people. I don't care what they say. I know a few people that was like day one wherever they was at, and that's rare, especially in Long Beach because everybody knows each other. So it's like whoever you start hanging out with now, them is your homies. But 
dead ain't somebody didn't really like how that went down and the stuff he was doing he ended up losing his life and then to us it was like okay the, it's this shouldn't be happening we too young for this that's the first thing that happened and then he died and nobody do nothing so we like what the why do we look up to you because y'all don't you obviously don't care and it was like okay we about to do our own thing and that's when it really got bad because you don't have nobody to tell you no and it was nobody that could tell us no did you have to engage with in your own mind with the with the morality of it whatever it was i mean i, I honestly never cared i'm, I'm Just, guessing that you're you don't want to talk about specifics of what went down but um, yeah yeah no, I, I get what you're saying but I, I honestly never really cared why not you sign up as a field trip you you can't be mad now you should have never did it in the first place and I'm, I'm luckily not from a place that's just going to be like, oh, yeah, come on, everybody. You got to wait. You got to be from the hood for years before you official. It's people that never got put on that's from the hood because they don't have to. Because they've been here since they was eight years old, nine years old. It's people that's been from the hood for four years. And then they get official after they do something crazy just because, you feel me, you got to prove yourself. But I never felt bad because it's like ain't nobody random and you did you obviously did something if something happened if you get punched on or something like that something you did something it's never gonna be random and we everybody know each other Long Beach too small everybody knows each other. What made you feel like when you were fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years old when you started rapping? What made you feel like maybe you were actually talented at it? Other people telling me so. I only started making music because the people around me was doing it, and I wasn't trying to hang out with my friends. I was getting in trouble just for the simple fact I, it was it was hard on my mom. So it was like, the homies are always going to be the homies, but you can't do that all day, every day. I don't care who you are, unless you're full-blown crazy. You can't. It's, it, does not, it doesn't feel right. So I always tell people I got lucky because I can honestly say that I just stopped getting into stupid <laughs> I feel like me making music was... A opportunity I had, like, no matter if you believe in God or any of that stuff, everything happens for a reason, and it depends on what you do with that opportunity. And I feel like, thankful, thankfully to the people around me, I was able to use this opportunity to the best of my abilities. I want to play another one of your relatively early songs. Um, let's hear a little bit of my guest Vince Staples in a song called Versace Rap. Never had belief in Christ was in the pictures he was white Same color as the judge They gave my whole repeated life sentences for little ish Church I wasn't feeling it Why the preacher charged to tell us everything will be alright Knew what it was for Still I felt that it was wrong Till I heard Chef call himself God in the song And it all makes sense Cause we can't do this But look inside the mirror once it all goes wrong You fix your own problems Tame your own conscience All that holy, all that holy Nothing short of nonsense not denying Christ, I'm just denying the options because prayer never moved my grandmama out of time. Your records, I mean, you are a, a, a genial guy. And I've, you know, I've read you talk about like one of the reasons you got into rapping was because your friends were like, hey, you're like an outgoing, funny guy. Oh, yeah, not nah, uh, Sid and uh, Mike and or used to say, just be funny. Because I never knew what to rap about. The Versace rap was literally my first song that I really sat down and tried to write. Everything else before that is like, what do you want me to rap about? We've got more of my interview with Vince Staples after a quick break. When he first started tasting success, he struggled with how to relate to the kids he grew up with. Who'd he turn to for advice? Well, schoolboy Q, of course. It's Bullseye. For MaximumFun.org and NPR. Hey there, Paula Poundstone here. I hate to interrupt 
but maybe you might like to listen to my new show, live from the Poundstone Institute, where I talk to researchers about interesting studies. It's like hidden brain, except our brains are really well hidden. Find it now on the NPR One app and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from the AT&T original series, Mr. Mercedes, based on Stephen King's best-selling novel. A demented serial killer taunts a retired police detective, and now the ex-cop must bring the killer to justice before he can strike again. Mr. Mercedes premieres August 9th at 8 p.m. Eastern Pacific on Audience. Watch on DirecTV Channel 239 or stream on DirecTV Now. Go to att.net slash Mr. Mercedes for more information. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest this week is Vince Staples. The Long Beach rapper has a new album out. It's called Big Fish Theory. We talked in 2014. So what moved you? I mean, the if I was going to say in in my head, like what what your content reminds me of, you know, it's somebody like it's somebody like Scarface or something. Someone who raps about the street in a way that's um, that sort of deeply acknowledges the sad side of it, which is not that common. I mean, it's, it happens, but um, and you know, sometimes you just are clever about talking about uh, whatever, having a gun or whatever. But mostly, it's that emotional part. And I wonder what motivates you to to write. I mean, I've been there, like, in in all disrespect intended, like a lot of rappers are liars. It's to the point that you've been rapping for 10 years and you're 23 years old. So what did you ever do? Because you can start early. You can start very early, but it's like you've been selling cocaine and getting $20,000 per shipment, and that, that that's most people's recording budget nowadays. Why are you rapping? And then it comes to the point that it, 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 it it's obvious that you're lying. You can't be hard 24-7. It's not fun. It's not cool. You just look corny because that's how you die. Those are the ones that die. If all you if all fall you about is the is the bull, you you're gonna get killed. And it's 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 common knowledge. Everybody knows it if you've ever been there. And it's not fun. You're not gonna make any money. It's not you don't make money gangbanging. That's not what it's about. You your 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 friends are gonna die, you're gonna get in and out of jail. It's not a fun place to be. And it never it never will be. As far as even more. Like my little brother's got fifteen years. He just turned 18 and he got a two-year-old baby. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing cool about that. It's not fun. Like, the homie, one of my homies just got six years for attempted murder, and we was we was happy. Because you get 25 for socking it. You get 15 for, for, for punching somebody and, and taking something from them. A lot of things that make people want to overcome is an enemy. You need an enemy in the 60s and 70s. It was white people. In your head, it's like white people are holding us back. We need to overcome that. We want what they got. That doesn't exist no more. And it does in a certain sense, but like the white man, it doesn't stand for someone's race. It's like in, 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 a, in a lot of people's minds, that, that, that's the rich. And I really hate that about rap music because it's like, why the f- are you telling this kid he about to have a good time? Because when I, when I was in fourth grade, 50 Cent came out. So we was, this is what it is. And then Game came out. And this is what it is. You get what I'm saying? 
So we live in that. We see in that. We hearing little things that we see in every day. I didn't know my dad was on real drugs, drugs, until I got older. But if I would have had music talking about dinner, 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 and all these other things, I would have knew when I was eight, nine years old that that's what he was doing. So I feel like it's no reason to, to, to highlight the streets. And it is, you, it is, it is, it's a beautiful thing to grow up in that, in that environment when you leave it. Like, I was talking to Schoolboy Q about it, like, just trying to give some advice, like, because that's like, I know he, yeah, him and him, a lot of them TD dudes help me out a lot. So I was asking him, like, how do you get over it? Like, how do you just get past it? He was like, you not, you not going to. Because I feel, I feel like I do wrong when I, when I hit my homies up, like, hey, what's up? Where you at? Making sure everybody cool. Like, I feel like that's not my job, but in reality it is because that's, that's the reason. That's, that's why, that's what it's for. It's never been about killing and, and wearing certain hats and living over. It's it's about taking care of the people that you care about because nobody else going to take care of us. And the second that got lost is the second that anybody could die. Do you think your people are proud of you? Of course. Isn't my little brother being my little brother is in prison bragging about me. He write me all the time. Hey, I just I was walking down whoop whoop and they was playing your song and not Are you proud? I'm very I'm proud of where I'm from. No, proud of what you've done. I don't feel like I've done anything proud yet. Proud of your work? I'm able to take care of my mother, so I'm proud of that. My music not really where I think it should be yet. It's getting there, though. But, I mean, I'm, I feel like I got a lot to do. I'm never really, I'm not a satisfied individual when it comes to a lot of things because I know what it should be. And it's not there yet, but I'm, 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 I'm working. This is, for the first time in my life, I can actually see I'm really working towards something since I was in fourth grade thinking I was going to go to the NBA and I was at the park. Like, as of now, as of this this cycle of music that I'm doing right now, I feel like I'm really working towards something. Well, Vince Staples, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on Bullseye. It was really great to get to stalk you. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. Vince Staples. Big Fish Theory is out now. It's weird. It's great. It's amazing. Make sure to give it a listen. Here's another track off the record called Big Fish. I was up late night I was up late night balling, so far from my past misfortune. No sleeping, late nights, no eating, gun squeezing. I'm a real artesian, Ramona. I was round that counter, still down. I'm a North North soldier. G slide, right down Sawyer. When we slide, you won't see morning. Another story of a young black man trying to make it up out that gym. Goddamn, back, back, let me make my bands. Got plans. If you hating, don't shake my hand. Take it easy, homie. Reminiscing, sitting in that. Bins of the 22 bus stop way back when with the 22 five shot eyes on scan for the click clack clap for the boot bop bam cuz. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. This week we're replaying a couple of our favorite interviews. And next up are the Trailer Park Boys. It started as a movie in 1999, a mockumentary that followed a handful of Canadian ex cons living in a trailer park in Nova Scotia. It's since grown into a kind of empire, a TV show that's lasted 11 seasons, a bunch of specials and movies, world tours. All the way through, it's followed three guys. Julian, played by Jean-Paul Tremblay, a sort of de facto leader. Ricky, played by Rob Wells, the sort of bumbling Ringo of the group. And finally, Bubbles, who wears heavy glasses and lives with a bunch of cats. He's played by Mike Smith. 
This interview originally aired a long time ago, 2009, actually. Back then, I was still recording the show in my apartment in Los Angeles. Ricky, Julian, and Bubbles were nice enough to join me there. And just a heads up, I am talking to Ricky, Julian, and Bubbles, not John, Paul, Rob, and Mike. Before we get into the interview, let's kick things off with one of my favorite bits from the show. Bubbles is demanding that Ricky return one of his many cats. Ricky's been sleeping in his car, as is often the case, and his car is parked in front of Julian's house, which is also often the case. I want my kitty. Freak off, Bubbles. He gave me the cat. I didn't say you could keep him, and I don't want him living in a car. Bubbles? You've got tons of cats. Let me keep them. He was a loner. I loaned them, do you? Well, I need them. Look at my weed plants. One of them's dead. I don't give a flying I didn't ne- never said you could keep them. What the hell are you doing waking me up no so early? No cat of mine's going to live in a car. Julian? Both of you guys shut up. Ricky won't give me my kitty. Ricky, give him his cat. It's my cat now. He I don't care. Give him his cat. Here's what I know, Ricky. If you love something, let it go. If it comes back to you, you own it. If it doesn't, you don't own it. And if it doesn't, you're an just like you. Stay in the cat. Bubbles, take your cat. How's it going? Great to be here. Good to be here. It's it's fantastic. I'm I'm really happy um to have you here. Uh, tell me a little bit first about how you started having your lives chronicled by uh, film cameras. It all started about eight or nine years ago. I was talking to the psychic, and uh, she said that my life was going to end soon. A phone, so, a phone psychic. It, she was like 250 bucks, Bob's okay. She was a half decent psychic. You're dumb. Anyway, you know, I wanted to, uh, I hired a film crew to, to follow me around to, uh, you know, document my life because I thought, you know, my life was pretty interesting. And, uh, you know, they've been following me for seven, eight years now. So, uh, you know, following us, which I'm sucks. St- I'm still alive, though, Ricky. Yeah, so it was kind of dumb that we did this, isn't it? Psychic wasn't very accurate either. Really? Well, it got you guys on TV, didn't it? That's not coming for us, is it? <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> there, is, there is a siren here. We, we are in a, a somewhat seedy neighborhood of Los Angeles uh, where we tape the program. Um, how did it change your lives? It sounded, it, it, it sounded uh, Ricky, like you're not entirely happy about the fact that the last seven years of your life have been chronicled by cameras. Well, it's kind of a pain, especially, you know... My job, you know, involves sometimes breaking the law, and when it's all on tape, it's not good if you go to court because they can just play the tapes and usually end up in jail instead of talking your way out of it. How would you characterize your job? Well, I'm a farmer, I guess, and I I grow different things and sell them, and apparently that's illegal to sell what I grow. So, you know, there is a problem with that. Now, how about how about for you, Ricky? How how has having these uh, cameras trailing you changed your life? Well, the other thing is, like, when you're trying to go to the bathroom, they they like to try to get that on tape, and I don't, I'm not a big fan of that. So if I want to use the bathroom, I want to do it by myself sort of thing. So, Yeah. Julian? Well, it's been great. I mean, you know, I've already I've always looked up to, you know, actors like uh, Clint Eastwood and stuff like that, so I think it's kind of cool. You know, I'm, I've been dating a lot of strippers and stuff over the years, which has been, you know, incredible, because a lot of times strippers, they don't mind if you end up in jail. You know, you're gone for six or seven months. They, you know, you get back, you know, out and they're, they're still there waiting for you. So it's been pretty good. You two particularly seem to end up in jail frequently. 
Um, but was that something you expected out of your lives as kids? Did you imagine a life of crime and being in and out of jail? Well, I never wanted to go to jail, but then the first time I went to jail it was actually not that bad. It was a lot of fun. So, you know, once you go the first time and you get out of your system and have a good time and party a lot and play sports and watch TV with the guys, it's it's not that bad. So, you know, next time you go, you're really not that upset about it, I guess. I'm surprised to hear that, that you enjoyed jail. Well, I don't know what it's like down here in the United States of America, but in Canada, jail's really not that bad. It's it's fun. Really? Is it? How about you, well, it is a good time. I mean, you know, you're not paying for, you know, your electric bill or your, your lot fees and stuff like that while you're in jail. And I mean, Ricky, he lives in his car, so, you know, through the the winter months, it's great for him because, uh, you know, it gets a little cold and he usually ends up having to stay at my place sleeping on the floor. So, you know, jail's not that bad, especially in the winter. Food's fantastic, too. I disagree, 100%. With the whole thing, Bubbles? Yes, with the whole thing. I think it's a horrible place to be. Why is that? Well, I mean, they make it sound like it's going to summer camp or something, but it's not. You know, it's you can't do anything you want in there, and people are, a lot of people are mean and teasing you about things. I don't recommend jail to anybody. I think you guys are out of your minds. Bubbles, it, it seems like um, something that comes up a, a lot on this show is uh, your your friends Ricky and Julian uh, getting into trouble and you finding yourself embroiled in it well yeah that does happen see he even said it boys i've been trying to tell you that they don't think that's the way it is but it really is they're always getting into some kind of trouble and i always get roped into it it's never my fault lots of friends do for each other let's hear bubbles on the show bothered by some bees they're always around recky because he's soaked in liquor and the sugar on him and the garbage juice they're just attracted to him and i end up getting stung all the time I hate bees. What's the most difficult part about having a um, having a crew trailing you all the time? Besides what you mentioned earlier, Ricky, that they're uh, taping you if you happen to do something illegal. Well, I think it's the fact that you know they'll cause cause problems just to you know make it more exciting. They'll come over to us and say, "Yeah, Mister Leahy's down the road there, shooting his mouth off about you guys." And it's not even true. And then Ricky will go flying down there and, you know, slap him around or whatever. Just so that they can get it on tape. So they cause a lot of the problems. Just for ratings, I guess. Plus, we're not getting paid because Julian screwed that all up. So Hey, well, I'm still working on the contracts, okay? Well, it's been seven years, so. Well, maybe we'll get paid one of these days. I'm working on it. Bubbles, you, you live at the trailer park um, uh, in a shed. A uh, converted shed, a somewhat converted shed. Um, h- how did you end up with that living situation, and how do you like it? Oh, I love it. I love living in a shed. I've lived there since I was a little guy. Belonged to Julian's grandmother, and when my parents took off on me, I just sort of ended up hanging out in there with some cats, and then I just started putting things in there that I was acquiring, and eventually made it into a lovely place. Well, it's not a normal shed either. I mean, you got to bathroom and satellite tv and oh i know it's it's kind of pimped out as they say you know satellite tv indoor plumbing i think people are missing out that don't live in sheds you don't get a lot of ladies that's the only thing i guess but oh i get my fair share recky okay i didn't know well i mean have you dated bubbles 
Uh, a couple times, yes. I've taken some ladies out on the town. You know, they don't generally like to get covered in cat hair, though. You know, if I bring them back, they generally get a lot of cat hair on their sweaters and whatnot, and that's usually the end of that. Well, Bubs, the uh, the lady you're talking about that you brought back to the shed and watched Spider-Man, that movie, that, oh. was, that wasn't really a date. No, it wasn't a date. No, you're not supposed to get a bill after your date. Well, I didn't know she was a prostitute. It seems hard to believe. Well, I was at McDonald's, and I was ordering some food there, and this lady come up, and she's like, Hi there, how are you doing? And I was like, I'm fantastic, how are you doing? And next thing I know, she's coming back to my place. You know, and we just all we did was watch a movie. Two hours later, she hands me a bill. I mean, if I had known I was paying... I would have been getting dirty stuff going. You're listening to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests are the Trailer Park Boys, Ricky, Julian, and Bubbles. They star in the eponymous sitcom, which is a monster hit in Canada and is available here in the United States on Netflix. I talked to them back in 2009, totally in character. Let's hear another clip from the show. Ricky's trying to defend a barbecue from Park Supervisor Jim Leahy and Assistant Supervisor Randy, who've come to take it back from him. Stay where you are, Ricky. Hell out of here, Leahy. I don't got time for your bull today. That's it, Mr. Leahy. That's it, Ricky. Friggin' pain in it. Get away with my barbecue corn. That is my barbecue. Treat it for a carton of smokes, you stupid idiots. Yeah. Ricky, that barbecue's mine. It was a special gift to me. I'm taking the friggin' thing back. You gonna hit me with that, huh? I'll hit you with this thing. thing. Just give us a goddamn barbecue back, please, Ricky. Leahy, why don't you go home and have another drink? And you, why don't you put a shirt on? It's disgusting. Make me, Ricky. Ricky, you've been living in your car for quite some time, as Julian mentioned. That that must be difficult for you, especially with uh, a a child and and your child's mother living in the trailer park with you. Yeah, it's, it's not great, I guess, but... The thing about living in a car is it takes a long time to get used to living in a car, and then once you're used to it, it's hard to get used to not living in a car. So, I mean, I could probably move in with Lucy, my daughter, but she doesn't really like me being in the house. She thinks I'm a little bit dirty. So, I, I don't know, it's just nice to have my own space out in, in my car, and I can go in and see them whenever I want, or they can come out and visit me in the car. And i got everything I need. I can cook out there and do dishes and brush my teeth once in a while if I need to, and it's great. I, I'm impressed that you can cook out there. I, I've I've seen you do it. Maybe you could explain to our audience how, how you prepare food when you're living in a car. Well, I mean, I've st- still not st- when I you know I've got a stove and you know some other things like that that I definitely didn't steal. If people think that and barbecues and deep fryer toaster. So I mean, you can pretty much make anything. Um, Ricky. Uh, tell me a little bit about your relationship with your daughter. She she lives with her her mother, who, who you've had an on-again-off-again relationship with. Yeah. Uh, she's great. I mean, she's already smarter than I was at her age, I guess. And... She's already smarter than you are now, Ricky. Well, however you want to think that, it's not true. But, I mean, I think I'm a good role model, and, you know, if she follows the stuff I do that she can... Uh, She'll turn out to be a, a good person, better than most. She's smoking. Well, we're working on that. I mean, we, she's been on and off the patch, and we're trying to do the patch together. And, I mean, I don't think it's a big deal, but she probably shouldn't smoke. I read a lot of papers in jail that say it's really not that great for you. So We should clarify how, how old she is. Uh, she's 
10, I think now, or 11. She's Ricky, between Ricky, 10 and four, 12. She's 14. She's not that old. But she's, she's 14. She's probably 12. And she did start smoking when she was six, which is early. So it's hard to quit. I mean, that's five years she's been smoking now, so it's not easy. She also, if, I, if I'm not misremembering the show, um, shot you once. Yes. No, I don't like to talk about that because she's, you know, it's weird when your daughter shoots you, especially in the butt. But uh, I guess it was my fault. I had a couple guns laying around the house that were loaded. And when you find them sometimes or your daughter finds them, weird things can happen, I guess. Julian, it's Ricky. Get over here, man. We get a major situation. We have more of my conversation with the Trailer Park Boys in a minute. After our break, the best part of their wild success, is it the money? Sure, spreading a positive message, I guess. But most importantly, they get free booze. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. We'd like to say a quick thank you and share a message from one of our sponsors, Stoke Cold Brew Coffee. The folks at Stoke are obsessive about building bold and smooth taste, finding the right beans, finding the right grind, brewing at cool temperatures for at least 10 hours to keep out those incorrect flavor notes. Slow brewed, just like good ideas. Find it in the refrigerated juice section. Stoke Cold Brew Coffee. Look at you go. Thanks for listening to Bullseye. If you're looking to add another podcast to your lineup, check out NPR's Hidden Brain. Hosted by Shankar Vedantam, Hidden Brain uses science and storytelling to help you understand the world around you and yourself. Wondering why it's so hard to change your best friend's political views? Feeling like you're in a bit of a rut and need to get unstuck? Hidden Brain can help you with those questions and plenty of others. Find it now on the NPR One app or at npr.org slash podcasts. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. We'll have more of my conversation with the Trailer Park Boys in a minute. But first, let's find out what's happening on Pop Rocket. It's our chattier sister show available via podcast. Every week, you get a red-hot panel discussion of hilarious insights from four brilliant pop culture thinkers. Our host, Guy Branham, he's a comedian, the host of True TV's talk show, The Game Show. Hey, Guy What's popping on Pop Rocket this week? Hey, Jesse. This week we're talking about The Big Sick, the rom-com about the real-life relationship of the movie's writers, comedians Camille Nanjiani and author Emily V. Gordon. And I'm looking forward to hearing your conversation with them on Bullseye. Sounds good, guy. Pop Rocket. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Pop Rocket, the name of the show. Type that into the search box. You're listening to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. I'm talking with Ricky, Julian, and Bubbles, the stars of the hit TV show, The Trailer Park Boys. They're played by John Paul Tremblay, Rob Wells, and Mike Smith, respectively. They're all in character here. We taped this interview back in 2009. Do you guys think that... I, I know, Julian, that you've said that uh, that you've made a lot of money over the course of the show. I certainly haven't seen in watching the show, which is a documentary series, a, a lot of... Um, 
It's just, it seems like you're always striving. I, I wonder if you guys feel like you've made mistakes over the course of, uh, of these past seven or eight years. Oh, we've made a lot of mistakes, and it's usually Ricky's fault. Well, that's not true, because normally I work for you, and you shouldn't go to jail because you're boss, and I seem to, so something's wrong. Is that, you shouldn't go to, is that like a, you shouldn't go to jail because of your boss? Well, if you go and work for a company, you shouldn't end up in jail, because your boss is dumb. Oh, really? No. Well, we've been to jail 12 times, and every time it's been your fault. Not true. Bubbles? I'm not, not getting into that, boys. Come on. No. Julian, give, give me an example of, of a time that, in your opinion, when you went to jail, it was because of something that Ricky did. Okay, there's one time we were holding up a, a convenience store, and uh, he was really drunk at the time, so I said, okay, Ricky, stay in the car. I'll go in and handle this myself. He wakes up. He comes in. He doesn't have a mask on. He's on camera. We go to jail. Not my fault, though, because it was my stag party. He didn't tell me we were going to rob a convenience store because they were doing it behind my back. And they did it. I needed smokes. I woke up in the truck, went into the store to buy them. This is smokes. Next thing I know, guns are going off, and there's a big shootout between ourselves. And... No, that was Julian's fault. True, Julian. That's that does sound sort of like it wasn't Ricky's fault to me. No, that was his fault. Bubbles, um, you often seem to get involved in these plans somewhat reluctantly. Um, uh, are there times looking back when y- you got involved in something with Ricky and Julian that uh, y- you later regretted getting involved in? Oh yeah, I mean most most projects I've ever done with them. You know, ever, I've regret it, because they always turn out bad. You know, Julian, I did get to go on a cruise ship one time, though. Those guys went to jail, but I went on a cruise ship. So that one, you know, I don't regret that one. But, I mean, most of the time, yes, it's it doesn't work out the greatest. And, it's, you know, not my fault. Are you surprised when it doesn't work out well? Well, no, I can't say I'm ever surprised. And, I mean, I'm in there trying to trying to steer things in the right direction but it's hard to deal with these guys to be honest you know because they're usually quite intoxicated and high on drugs right so it's hard to reason with them especially Ricky. have you guys thought about other paths to success other than for lack of a less pointed word criminality crimes i have i've tried to have a legitimate business for years well i uh, to be fair bubbles the one legitimate business activity i've seen you uh, participate in is stealing grocery carts and returning them for a bounty <laughs> yeah i wouldn't say it's stealing is the word you know people fire them over the bank and if they're down there just rotting away you know i take them home i shine them up put new bearings in them balance them and whatnot, and I bring them back and I sell them back to the grocery store at a discounted price. Here's Bubbles talking shopping carts on the show. Most people don't see the beauty in a shopping cart. They just see it as something to get their groceries to their car in, but if you really look at it, it's a a lot more than that. It's not just four wheels bolted onto a square. There's a lot of engineering goes into one of these things. There's ball bearings in here that make those run smooth until they get f***ed up, but when they're new. That's how it started, but you got to admit, Bob's, I mean, now you kind of just take them right out of the parking lots. 
Well, I don't take them out of the parking lot, but if I'm over near the bank, you know, down one goes by accident, and it's, you know, it's fair game then. When you say accident, what, what do you mean in this case when you well, say I accident? I mean, different times I've been walking along, you know, pushing the cart, and wheel goes wrong, and it gets out of control, and you let it all of it. It sounds like, I don't mean to, it sounds like you're describing pushing it down the bank. Well, no, I mean... Some That's what it that, sounds like to me. Oh, I, yeah, me too. It does, and I've seen him do it. So you're right, boys. No, I mean, there's you know, if you're going high speed, sometimes I'm in a hurry, and if I'm running, and then the wheel goes janky, she can you know get out of control and go right down over the bank, and then you will uh, resell that back to the grocery store. Yes, right. Which seems strikes me as morally questionable and. Almost certainly. Illegal. Yeah, I mean, well, if you want to get right analyzy about it like that, maybe. But I mean, you know, if you don't think about it that much, then it doesn't seem that bad. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. I'm in the studio with the one and only Trailer Park Boys, or I guess the three and only Trailer Park Boys, the stars of the hit Canadian TV comedy. They talked with me in character in 2009. The three of you are down here in Los Angeles where we tape the show. Is this your first time in in Hollywood? I think so, isn't it? I, I don't really know. We've been here once before. Was I with you? Yeah, you were with us. Yeah. Okay. What, what were you doing down here? I don't think Was we were Something here. to do with that last movie or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were here. When the movie came out, they brought us down and we went to the movie theater to see it. It was pretty fun too. What are your impressions of uh, of Los Angeles and, and Hollywood relative to uh, Nova Scotia? I think it's fantastic. It's like a festival of boobs down here. There's a lot of lovely ladies walking around in the sun. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, it's warm here, which is fun, and uh, you can pretty much get anything you need if you know what I mean. Like besides cigarettes, which is awesome. I don't know if the rest of the America's like that, but here you can get whatever you want quick, and it's good. You've been catapulted to, uh, uh, with each passing year, a higher level of fame, especially in uh, your native country of Canada. I know that you guys have, uh, you guys have toured as part of a, a court-mandated educational program. Um, how has how has eight years on uh, national television changed your lives in the day-to-day sense? Well, I mean, we've had to do uh, a lot of uh, community service uh, jobs. We have this live tour that we go across the country. You know, we uh, spend two hours on stage, and uh, it goes towards community service. So we've been doing that quite a bit lately. So we haven't been going to jail that much in, in the past couple of years, at least. Not for, because we didn't want to, but, I mean, it's harder now. Like A few weeks ago, I went in and robbed a liquor store, just needed some booze, didn't want any cash or anything, and just about to do it and this woman recognized me from being on tv and i mean you can't rob it then so did she ask for your autograph or no she just called it my name and wanted to know if i had anything to sell and i didn't at the time but i mean once that happened you can't really rob the place after that so i left it sucked would you say that on balance it's good or bad for your business as a farmer i mean it's good that way because i get a lot of new customers i normally wouldn't have but then you don't know if they're undercover cops or whatever so it's it's hard to have a normal life now bubbles how has this changed your life well i mean same sort of thing you know 
before, you know, it was, you know, not cool to be hauling shopping carts out of the lake and fixing them and whatnot. But now I go down there and, you know, there's 10, 15 guys down there all hauling shopping carts because they think it's right cool. So, I mean, the peckings are a lot smaller. So it hasn't, it's had a negative effect that way. I mean, one positive thing, though, is people give you liquor drinks when you're at the bars. They're like, hey, Bubbles, here, have a drink. Julian, you've um, uh, renewed this arrangement with these filmmakers every year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously, I would imagine part of that is the expectation that eventually you'll be paid. Um, but uh, there must be other reasons why you keep bringing these people into your life. Um, what do you like about having this crew around? Well, it's kind of cool because, I mean, when you go back to jail, all the boys in jail are watching the show, and it's easier to get, you know, extra things in jail because of that. You know, my uh, potato vodka sales, have you know, they're through the roof in, in jail now. People just, they, they want to buy my vodka. Uh, I don't know, that's about it. You know, it's, it's kind of cool. These guys are a little annoying. They keep promising me money, you know, sometime down the road, but I don't know. Hopefully well, there's also days. the fact that he thinks he's Clint Eastwood and he likes I, showing off in front of the cameras. Yeah, I don't think big I, time. No, I don't. What are talking about? Well, I've seen you, Julian. I've caught you looking in the mirror doing lines from Clint Eastwood movies, practicing. Yeah, that's a lie. Have you had any inquiries from Hollywood or opportunities outside of the documentary show context? Uh, I'm still working on it. Hopefully I'll make some connections down here. While we're here in the next couple of days. I have. I had a guy approach me and ask me if I wanted to be in like a Jackie Chan type movie. Where I'm like doing Kung Fu and I told him I don't know Kung Fu. And he said we can make it look like you do. Like with wires and stuff. So I'm hoping that's going to happen. But was that didn't happen. It did. Recky. This morning a guy approached me on the street. Alright. Film producer he said he was. Bubbles, you have done some films, but they were uh, what might be called stag films. Yeah. Yes, I've been in a couple of J-Rocks movies. Thank God I didn't get my bird out. I think we, I think we all agree on that. Yeah. yeah. Tell me what the best part of having uh, all of this success, uh, your own television program, um, what's the best part for the three of you? Well, getting free stuff, I guess. You know, free liquor, some thing, you know, free DVDs in the mail, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that, and I guess, you know, hopefully people are learning from us that, you know, to stop being so stupid and hung up on stupid things and just have a good time and get drunk and high with your friends and play video games and just everybody helps each other out instead of being stupid the way they are. Bubbles, what, what about for you? This is uh, uh, the seven years of your life that have been chronicled on this show have often seemed very difficult from an outsider's perspective. Yeah, they have been. I mean, it's you know, it's allowed me to do a few things that I never would have got to do otherwise. So that's good. You know, I got to fly in a fly in a uh, fighter jet. Got to do that. I got to go on tour with Guns and Roses. You know, and Rush, played with Rush. I've done some things like that that, you know, that never would have happened if it wasn't for the being on the TV. Well, guys, it is such a pleasure and, and an honor. Thank you so much for uh, coming and doing this. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for yeah. the drinks, man. The Trailer Park Boys. You can find a ton of their stuff on Netflix right now. Check it out if you haven't seen it. It is great. It's so funny. 
It's a bit of an acquired taste, but boy, is it good. Ricky, Julian, and Bubbles are also going on tour next month. You can check out the Bullseye page at MaximumFun.org for dates and more info. Every week we like to close the show with a recommendation from yours truly. It's the outshot. So a thousand things are happening on Game of Thrones. I'd list them all, but I'd basically need the spoiler alert to end all spoiler alerts. So I'll just summarize if you're unfamiliar with the show. Families are feuding, people are questing, dragons are growing, that kind of thing. A thousand directions, and the show pulls us with it. And there are themes, too, you know, like capital T themes, what constitutes good and evil, where does identity come from, class battles, culture clashes, religious war. And all those thematics are great and interesting. But Game of Thrones isn't really about themes. Where Game of Thrones excels is in the realm of pure intoxicating narrative. Game of Thrones is a show about what happens next. If it were more arbitrary, I could call it a soap opera. If it were more formulaic, I could say it was a melodrama. But this show, it's tough to pin down. In fact, that's sort of what defines it. In the world of Game of Thrones, nothing is static. Everything shifts. Allegiances, circumstances, moralities, identities. In season one of the show, and this is an actual spoiler alert here, spoiler alert, the guy you thought was the protagonist gets killed. Just, and from then on, we know. We can't count on anything. And yet the story keeps its hooks deep enough into us to pull us along because actually there is no protagonist. Our loyalties are as divided as the kingdom. You might feel a little more warmly towards some characters sometimes and other characters other times, but pretty much everybody's a mixed bag. George R. R. Martin, the guy who created this thing, has said that when two forces oppose each other, each is the bad guy to the other. It's a simple truth, but when you see it play out on the screen, you realize how rare it is on TV, especially TV that's actually exciting to watch. Martin's remarkable feat, and he shares this with the TV show's writers, of course, is to get these huge, thrilling, dramatic beats from these subtly shaded characters. Westeros, where the story takes place, is a world that's ever so slightly unreal. Not really, really unreal, just a little more unreal than pure reality. There's just that little bit of distance from what we know. It's kind of a bit of storytelling S&M. In this sort of alternate world, Martin's punches land, and they land hard enough that we feel them but not so hard that we have to use our safe word. And once we heal, we always want to come back for another session. Every week, I'm on my couch waiting for Game of Thrones to start, wondering what's going to happen. When twists twist, I'm amazed. I'm delighted. I don't expect them, but they always seem right. I lean towards the screen. I yell. I punch the air. And I've truly never felt that way about a television show. George R.R. R. Martin hasn't finished the books on which the show is based. A lot of fans are up in arms about this. I can understand that. There was a weekend with no new episode recently, and I almost lost it. Those fans who are waiting have high expectations for the conclusion, I'm sure. They're nerds. The last puzzle piece has to fit perfectly in its slot, right? I get that, too. Usually, that's what stories are. The protagonist heads out, slays a dragon, physical, metaphorical, both... And he comes home changed, 
the pieces all fit together. And maybe this story will reveal a hero and a dragon to be slayed and a journey home changed. But honestly, if the last piece of the puzzle still leaves things a little messy, or even, frankly, if it never comes, I'm cool with that. Because for me, Game of Thrones isn't about the destination. It's about the ride. That's my outshot. That's all for this week's Bullseye. Our show is recorded at MaximumFun.org World Headquarters, overlooking MacArthur Park in beautiful Los Angeles, California. Did you know that MacArthur Park is the home of the bridge from the Red Hot Chili Peppers song, Under the Bridge, the smash hit of my middle school in 1993? At the time, I did not know that it was about heroin. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our producer is Kevin Ferguson. He had help from Christian Duenas. Our production fellows at MaximumFun.org are Kara Hart and Nick Liao. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher. All our interstitial music is provided by Dan Wally. Our theme was recorded by the Go Team and provided to us by Memphis Industries. If you'd like to hear any of our past shows, all of them are free at MaximumFun.org or on the Bullseye YouTube channel. And while you're at it, check out the Bullseye page on Facebook. We're sharing interviews, giving you sneak previews to upcoming Bullseye guests, even some funny, dumb stuff from the Internet. I guess that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR.